0: Well, oh, good morning, FCC Church. Oh, I heard crickets. Good morning, FCC Church we go welcome to another wonderful sunday morning here at fcc could you please stand up and worship along with us <laughs> if somebody's going to be sticklers about it. <laughs> can't do it all <laughs>
1: Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous hand. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you. Uh, Thank you for letting us be here together. Uh, Thank you for this building. Thank you for these people. Thank you for this community. Uh, Most importantly, thank you for you. Thank you for letting us understand you through the Bible. God, I ask you to help us take this time that we have so we can lift you up and, and grow closer to you. Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, good morning hey i'm glad you're here if you're watching online i'm glad you clicked onto it uh, i'm glad you're here just being together as a family it's, it's important to do that uh, sometime during the service if you're watching online or if you're here in the building i'd love if you take a moment to fill out your connection card uh, but otherwise let's take just a minute or two or three or four and, and let's say some hellos real quick
2: God bless you especially for having to put up with him. <laughs> 32, he 33 years next month. Wow, that's awesome. And I've known him actually 40 years. That's awesome. No. <laughs> 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 It's easy so to remember, but I bet people say it all different ways, oh don't they, gosh. one name. Well, when I was a kid, I hated it. Oh, really? And oh, I didn't, see. I never oh, I loved it. Really <laughs> so, we all no, those kids must really <laughs> 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 yes. Like. yes. mom calls me different names. Honey, <laughs> That's why oh. I don't to name. Oh. I both oh. Need our first sorry. sorry. Oh, yeah. You sorry. I'm <laughs> <laughs>
0: I need need the slide forward. I don't know. I think Jeff. Can we have the slides advanced, please? They're working it. It wasn't me this time. 28 We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God who are called according to his purpose. I have heard a thousand stories of Yeah. Philippians 4.13, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. He won't abandon, he won't deceive, he won't desert us, he won't ever leave, he'll never forsake us, he won't ever run, he'll never reject us, the faithful one. Your love will be abandoned, you won't deceive, you won't desert us, you won't ever leave, you never forsake us, you won't ever run, you never reject us, the faithful one. Your love will remain, your love will to present to the congregation, to all of you. If you know it, please sing along, but it goes something like this.
1: we're going to be in Thessalonians and I'm going to give you a quick disclaimer, um, a quick warning here. If you're going to be with us last week, this week, and the next few, uh, we're going through 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. So you're going to hear some repeats of some ideas. uh, So don't panic. It is what it is. You're going to hear a a bit of of overlap in between the two. So we're going to be in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 today. 1st Thessalonians chapter 5. And once you get there, don't close it. We're going to stay in here all day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'll I'll give you a second to get there. All right. Too slow. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to read it in three sections. So we'll start. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. We're going to stop there. Be honest with me, family. Um, If you've been to the church any time, have you heard this passage here, especially these words here right in the middle, where it says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Have you heard that before? we we preach that a lot uh it, it brings me to my very first point and we have to be careful with this and i have to be careful because this is important this this message here where it says it'll come like a thief in the day and the night and so he says everyone's gonna be looking around saying hey we have peace and security and all of a sudden destruction comes now we use that a lot and, and here's the problem we use this passage like the boogeyman And I use the word we as a church. The church uses this particular passage almost as the boogeyman. And we look at each other and we go, you gotta be careful because Jesus is coming. And we use that as almost a threat. And and honestly, I stand here and I've I've preached this before. And and looking back, I I feel like every grade school teacher I've ever had. You know, when, when I'm misbehaving, what do all the teachers say to me? If you don't stop it, I'm going to well, you know what they, they say. No, I'm going to call your parents. If you don't stop doing what you're doing, I'm calling your parents. And that's almost, that's almost what we use this passage for now in a church. We use this, this idea, and, and we know in Thessalonians what, what the writer is talking about, especially here in chapter 5, is the return of Jesus. So we know at this point in time, Jesus died, came back three days. He came and preached, and he came and said, I'm, I'm going to my father's house, but I'm coming back to get you. And so this passage here is, is written to Christians about the second coming of Christ. And all too often, we take this passage, and instead of using it the way we should use it, we use it as a threat. We go, you better behave because, and then we fill it in with this passage, because Jesus is going to come like a thief in the day and the night. Right there, he's going to get you. And we have to be really careful because I don't think that's how this passage was intended. I believe this passage, if we look at it the way it was written, it should be written not as inducing fear, but as inducing hope. We should look at this passage and we should say instead of God's going to get you, we should be saying God hasn't forgot you. We should look at this and not say, I'm gonna threaten you, but it's an incentive. It's not saying, oh, if you're not, if you're not good, the boogeyman's gonna get you. We're saying we wanna live the life that Jesus wants us to because he's coming back. It should never be a, a threat. And we have to be really careful, and, and I do this too if I'm not careful. We shake our fingers and say, uh oh, you never know, you never know, you never know. I'm gonna tell on you. And it's not that. This was written to a bunch of believers that have already found Jesus. And what this writer is doing is saying, don't give up hope because the end will come when the end will come. The part of the problem is, is oftentimes we, we get this idea of hope and I, I'm telling believers, hey, you, you shouldn't be afraid of the returning of Jesus. You should be happy about it. We say that. We say that in church. Don't be afraid of, of Jesus coming back. You should be excited. The problem is, is oftentimes we take nervousness and we confuse it for fear. See, I, I know, I know there are a lot of believers who feel like they are afraid of Jesus' second coming. They're afraid of it. And I'm saying, I don't, I don't think you're afraid, I think you're nervous. And being nervous and being afraid is two drastically different things. And I would lie to you if, if I said On stage, I am not just a slight bit nervous about the second coming of jesus I am nervous. There are some things that that makes me very nervous. I am nervous When jesus comes and we stand before god I am very nervous. There will be people that I thought would be in heaven that are not I am nervous that people that I have I don't want to say idolized, but i've really built them up I am nervous. There are people that I have built up in the faith that I think they're really there and, and i'm nervous They're not I'm nervous that that people that I thought were really grounded in Jesus are not. It was just a front. That's one of my my nervousness. I'm really nervous that I'm going to get to heaven, and I'm going to see someone who I don't think should be there. I am nervous. I'm going to look in heaven when we stand before God, and I'm going to go, oh, that person should not be here. I'm nervous about it. I'm nervous that when I do that, God's going to say, fine. You don't want to judge them? I'll judge you with the same standards. So when we look at this passage it should give us hope and and this hope doesn't have to be free of all nerves but it should be free of fear. We shouldn't use the idea of Jesus returning as a method to say if you don't watch out God's going to get you. We should look at it and say we're not alone. We should look at this passage and we should say it and we say it a lot in church and I I know sometimes people get sick of hearing the same things but I'm going to tell you because this passage is important so people know they're not alone and we say it now so when people are feeling alone or they're feeling hurt or they're feeling the lows they feel pain or they have all these struggles and these stresses and when someone is in the lowest section of life and you say hey it's going to get better how does that go over it never goes over well does it when someone's in the low spots of life and you go, hey, it's only temporary, and you give them the thumbs up, it never feels like it. So in churches all over the place, we always say the same thing. Hey, the lows, the hurts, the loss, the sorrow, the pain, the struggles, the worries, it's only temporary. We say that now, so when you're, when you're in a good spot in life, you hear it. So hopefully when the bad comes, you go, I remember, it's only temporary. And that's what this passage is. Honestly, family, this passage to Christians should be the light at the end of the tunnel. We should look at this and go, oh no, Jesus is gonna come like a thief in the night. No, we should look at this and go, just when we're not expecting it, just when it feels like nothing can get worse, God's gonna get us. He's gonna get us because he loves us, he's there for us, and it even it even talks about that when we say there's peace and security then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains comes upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape we should look at this and sometimes say hey even when it's really bad we're not alone jesus has promised that even when everything looks good or looks bad we're not alone we should look at this and say we have hope but here's my problem You know, I'm going to sit here in church and say, as a baptized believer, you should look at this passage and you should have hope, not fear. And I I was sleeping Friday and I woke up and I I really started struggling. And honestly, I, I couldn't decide what to do with this because hope, not fear is almost a lie. And I I kept trying to decide, can I reword it? Can I rephrase it to be better? Because I know, I know there are people right now, maybe in this service or watching online, and this is a category you fall under. You say, I know Jesus. I know he existed. I, I believe the evidence that Jesus existed. I believe Jesus died and rose again. I believe it. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that. But he's not my Savior. There are people in churches that come here and they say the same thing. I believe in Jesus, I know Jesus, I know who Jesus is, but he's not my Savior yet. And the problem with that is there are a lot of people that that say I'm a Christian, but I haven't made that final step to say he's my savior yet. I I know there are people in churches there, and I know there's people watching online that fall into this category, that know Jesus, know who Jesus is, know what Jesus did, but they have not made that last step to say, okay, not only is Jesus who Jesus is, Jesus is now my savior. And the problem is, is this hope, not fear? I struggle with that. Because for people that say, I, I know who Jesus is, but I haven't accepted him as my savior yet, there is a hint of fear and we have to be cautious because my natural instinct as a a preacher is to say jesus is coming quick make that choice but we have to make that choice that jesus is my savior not out of fear but out of hope i don't want someone to get baptized because they're afraid of hell i want someone to get baptized because they're afraid of being without jesus i don't want to scare someone into the baptistry i want to get someone so much hope about the future that we can't keep them out of the baptistry so this hope, not fear, is, it's, it's a real struggle here. How do, you, how do you say it proper to someone who says, I know who Jesus is, but I haven't accepted him as my Savior yet. How do you say gently, hey, look at this passage when it says Jesus is coming like a thief in the night. How do you say without trying to stoke fear and make them do it because of fear that, hey, life is short. Don't wait, do it. Don't wait too long to make these choices. Because there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people in this world today right now that are right on the verge, and they say, I know who Jesus is, but I haven't accepted him as my Savior yet. So we look at this passage, and we say, hey, let's let's make a step, but don't do it out of fear. You do it out of hope. Don't do it because the boogeyman in the closet's going to get you. You do it because you want to spend an eternity in heaven with our Savior. It's It's a tough thing to walk that fine line and not use this passage as a weapon in church. Let's read some more. We're going to read down just a little bit. I think it's verse 4. We'll start there. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep. Look at these words. Watch the shift let let us not sleep as others do but let us keep awake and be sober for those who sleep sleep at night and those who get drunk get drunk at night but since we belong to the day let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love we're going to stop there did you did you notice the shift there did you did you see the transition it's it's really an unusual way the writer did this So he's talking to believers, right? He's writing this passage, he's writing this letter to believers, and he's saying, hey, Jesus will come like a thief in the night. Saying, you're not alone, you haven't been forgotten, but it's going to be fast, so make sure you're ready. And then all of a sudden, he's talking to believers, and then he he makes a complete shift. He's talking about believers, and then he switches over to talking about those who are asleep. It's, it's a reference to those who are not following Jesus. It's really unusual here that all of a sudden he goes from believers to discussing of non-believers. It's instantaneous right there. And even points it out more. He says, those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. So now he's talking about a whole separate group of people, and that brings us to our second point. in it's effort, not idle. And I, I love family, I love the word idle, because I can say idle all day long, and we walk out of this building, and we smile, and we say, that was a nice passage of Scripture. Idle is the nice way of saying lazy. And see, I'm, I'm not allowed to stand up on stage and tell Christians, stop being lazy, but you can stand on stage and say, hey, stop being idle, and everyone walks away happy. It's weird how that works, isn't it? I love words. I love the word idle. And here's, here's what I've been, I've been toying with, and this is the gospel according to Jerry. This is not in the Scripture. I wonder I wonder why he put this in here. I wonder why the writer switched like this. Because I have got a notion, it's my notion, this is not scripture. I have a notion that there were large groups of believers at this point in time who accepted Jesus, said, I follow Jesus. They said, Jesus is coming back. And so what they did is they essentially just stopped everything. Not just stopped work, because we know that, but I believe there were a a portion of believers who stopped trying to reach other people. I believe they were just sitting idle, waiting for Jesus to come. And I think this passage here is telling them there are people that are asleep. It's a reminder there are people that need to know about Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you, this, this really entertains me. We know, we know that Thessalonians is almost completely written towards dealing with, with the return of Jesus, right? And, and I've been thinking, I've been thinking about this. We have been talking about either the second coming of Jesus or the end of the world for thousands of years. We are fully aware of that, Right? I've got some examples. We'll we'll talk about those in a little bit. I've got some examples. We have been talking about the end of the world as human beings for hundreds upon hundreds of years. And I thought of this. Well, you've got someone that is just positive they know when the end of the world is coming. Have you ever been around them? Have you ever been around someone that is just sure they know that either A, it's coming really soon, or B, they know the exact date? Have you ever been around them They're not the kind of people you invite to a birthday party. They're not. Because what do they talk about? They talk about the only thing they can think of. Hey, it's coming, family. It's coming. Or if you've dealt with someone who believes that there's going to be a a real major problem in the world, and they believe we all need to get ready, you're at a birthday party, what are they doing? Don't eat that cake. You need to save that cake for later. Save that cake. Save that punch. We're going to need that when the world crumbles in a couple years. They can't stop talking about it And I thought this out loud to myself See, we all have something that we're really passionate about, aren't we? And you know how I know what you're passionate about? I know what you're passionate about You know how I know? Because that's what you talk about if you spend any time with me, I could tell you after a short amount of time what you're most passionate about because it's what you talk about most. It's like in my, in my house, we have what we call auction days at the Barclow House. See, in the auction days, I get super excited. I find broken equipment. And I'm like, hey, I gotta buy this. And I'm so passionate about this, my son will be bleeding in the kitchen. Aaron will say, hey, we need to fix this. And I go, look at this broken tractor, honey. We need to buy this. Why? Because that's all I can think of. And that's how, that's how people are frequently when they have something they're passionate about. And I wonder to myself, there are people that have passions that make the Christians look unpassionate. There are people who are so passionate about whatever subject it is that they can't stop talking about it. And then I look at them and I think to myself, are they more passionate about that topic than we are as believers in Jesus Christ with sharing the gospel to someone else? See, this idea, effort, night, idle. Anytime I say the word idle, this is what I think of. I think when you're driving down the interstates and you look at the rest stops and you see those great big semis parked, and I really love the semis with a sleeper with a bed in the back, and I know what they're doing back there. I know they've got a microwave, they've got a TV, they've got a refrigerator. I know they're just relaxing after a long day of driving, and I love it because as you drive by, you hear the same clack, 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 clack. It's, it's their motor sitting there idling, And it's waiting. It's just waiting for the driver to get in the seat and push the gas. It's idling and waiting. And I wonder to myself, how much of the Christian church is sitting idling? Man, we are ready to go, but there is no one in the driver's seat. We're ready to go. We're ready to share the news. We're ready to tell people, but no one's in the driver's seat. And then I look at this passage, and I think, right in the middle, he's writing to Christians, and all of a sudden, right in the middle, boom, he says, there's people around you asleep. And I laugh thinking about those big trucks just waiting to go to work. And I I think to myself, is is that the modern church? That we have a message, we have a job, but the driver's in the back of the the rig resting, waiting. And I know, I've been to church long enough, I know. I know the common excuse is always, there is always someone else that's better equipped to share the gospel message. I know that. I know there'll always be people in church watching and they'll say, Evangelism is always up to the minister. I, I know that. But I'm going to tell you this. If we, we, the, the church of Jesus Christ, if we believe that Jesus is coming back, and if we believe that this passage is correct, that Jesus will come like a thief in the night, if we believe that, effort not idle. If we honestly believe that if we honestly believe that we are near the end times, and I'm going to tell you a secret here, family. Are you ready for this? you ready for this, this big one? This is deep. We have been living the last days since Jesus ascended to heaven. The second Jesus went to heaven, we are living the last days now. If we believe that our last days are getting closer and closer, effort not idle. And that's why this writer of Thessalonians even points this out. That there are people around you asleep that are ready, but we need someone to tell them that. And guess who that is? I, I struggle with this because I feel like my circle gets smaller and smaller. I feel like it's, it's harder and harder to talk about Jesus with people because people are just less receptive. And so it's easy for me to, to take that idea and say, no one's listening, and just go, I'm, I'm going to jump in the back of the rig and watch some TV. Effort not idle. If we believe that Jesus is going to return, the people that we're looking at that do not know Jesus Christ should motivate us to move. All right, one last time and we'll be finished. We're going to start right in the middle. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that wherever we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. You know, we're, gonna, we're gonna finish there, and if you want, you can close your Bible there, but there is a really unusual chunk of words there that is nice to easy to overlook. Let's, let's read it one more time. I love these words here. Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing just as you are doing it brings us to our last point and i'm gonna i'm gonna call it wisdom not foolishness build one another up and encourage each other just as you are doing do you see the subtle hint of what this writer is saying he's saying keep doing what you're doing I have found in all my years of church, when people have an idea of either the end of the world, the end of the government, Jesus coming back, I have found when someone gets an idea in their head, almost nothing I say is ever going to change that. So even if you have some really unusual, and let me, let me read some unusual beliefs. You ready for this? Here's one. <clears throat> Religious leader William Miller began preaching in 1831 that the end of the world as we know it would occur with the second coming of Jesus Christ in 1843. He had over 100,000 followers. 100,000 people were following this guy because he said Jesus is coming on this specific year. How about Johannes Stoffler who pre- predicted the Great Flood? He was a German mathematician and astrologer and he predicted a great flood would cover the whole world on February 25th, 1524 because that was when all the planets would align under Pisces, Pisces, Pisces a water sign. Hundreds of pamphlets were passed out. People were on board. In fact, Count Van Iglaham, he was a, a German nobleman, he went out and built a three-story or three-floor ark ready for this great flood that was predicted. It rained that day. It rained. How about this is this is my favorite. How about the the prophet hen? The prophet hen of Leeds. In 1806, there was a chicken, a hen, in Leeds, England. He appeared to give eggs that were inscribed with the message: Christ is coming huge amounts of people went to go see this prophetic chicken lay these eggs it came to find out the owner of the chicken was taking the eggs the hen hatched writing on it and stuffing it back in one more and i'll be i'll be done Johanna Scott Codd reported hearing voices that predicted future events, including crop failures and famines of 1799 and 1800. She began publishing her own books and eventually developed a follower, a base of over 100,000. In 1813, she announced that in the following year, she would give birth to the second Messiah, whose arrival would signal the last days of the earth. Despite being 64 years old, she died before that second Messiah was born. You know, the list goes on and on and on. And I'm going to point this out because anytime we deal with this idea that Jesus is coming back, there will be people that have a very firm belief, or whatever it is, and I'm going to say oftentimes they will not be swayed either way. They won't. So if that's the case, this passage here is so important. Because regardless of of what ideas you have or what notion you you kind of adhere to or if you've got a belief or if you see this, you see that, regardless of what it is, this writer is telling you, look at these words, just as you are doing. I think it's a caution to the readers that when dealing with the second coming of Jesus, you need to be wise. Just keep going. Even Even if you believe this chicken was really having eggs saying, Jesus is coming, He's saying, don't change everything. Keep living your life. Keep doing it. And I wonder, I struggle with this. Do you think that God is is above, and we always say above, I know, sorry. God is above. Do you think God sees people doing some of these unbelievably crazy things because they believe Jesus is coming or the world's ending? Do you think God ever looks at them and goes, no, stop it. There have been news cases where people have taken their lives and taken the lives of their children because they're so afraid of the end of the world. I wonder, do you think God ever goes, stop it, quit hurting yourselves? And then he goes, Jesus even said, no one knows the hour or the day when he comes? Do you think they say, I even warned you, stop following for this stuff. And then I I start thinking, all these people that, that develop this really articulate perfect prophecy when they think god's coming and they say oh this is it and then they convince all these people that to get on board and and i wonder to myself a lot of their followers sell everything they have their homes their retirement they quit their jobs and you know who really gets rich in these these i want to say scam because it's a scam do you know who gets rich in these scams the leader and how many times do the leaders say, I know the exact date when either the world is ending or Jesus coming back, and when it doesn't come true, you know what they do? Over and over and over, they go, oopsie, my calculations were incorrect. It's two years from now. And I, I think about that, and I, I think about all these people that, that buy into this notion And I say, I just wish they would have read these last couple words here in this this passage that says, just as you are doing, which is a reminder to keep living your life. You keep sharing Jesus. You keep living your life. You you live a Christian life like you're called to do. And I wonder all of the hurt that this has caused or how many times people believe Jesus is coming on a, a very specific day and he doesn't, and then they end up saying to themselves, what did i do wrong and i go it's not what you did wrong you you followed a belief that was not properly grounded in scripture or they look and they say i gave up everything because i thought i thought this was the date i don't have a job i don't have friends anymore i don't have family i don't have a career i gave up everything or they do it and they and they jump on on these bandwagons and they lose everything and then they're so embarrassed they can't backtrack regardless of, of what direction we, we go with this and maybe there is going to be someone who says hey jesus is going to come back january 2 2024 and you could say to yourself i i believe that but i'm going to tell you right now if you believe that you better not forget these words here at the end of thessalonians chapter 5 you keep doing what you're doing just because you think you have an idea when jesus is coming back that is not an excuse to pursue foolish activities The writer is clear he's very clear to us you keep doing what you're doing even if you think you have an idea and if someone tells you hey jesus is coming back this day and they say you need to sell your house and give the money to this this cause i'm going to tell you right now it's a reminder keep doing what you're doing wisdom not foolishness it's always wisdom not foolishness you think before you act You always always look at what God's writing before you listen to what someone else says. And anytime someone says something, you need to verify that in Scripture. Because if what they're saying is not grounded in Scripture, I'm going to tell you, you be very cautious with whatever you do next. You be very cautious following anyone that tells you anything that is not grounded 100% in Scripture. And when they start presenting a whole bunch of numbers and math You better make sure you're verifying these things yourself because Jesus has said, I'm coming back and we have been waiting for a long time. We don't know when he'll come. But we do know this. We always need to be ready. And as our band comes up here to lead us in the song of decision, I'm gonna tell you, it's it's never about fear. It's always about hope. And if you don't have the hope in Jesus Christ that when we stand before God, Jesus is gonna be there and he's gonna say, I... I bought and paid for that that person's sins. If that's not you, today's the day to make that decision. And it's not about fear, it's about hope. It's not about scaring you into into heaven. It's about making you have an eternity with Jesus Christ. Hey, if you're watching online, you haven't made a decision for Jesus, I'm gonna tell you, hey, get a hold of the office. We'll make arrangements, we can do something. Or if you're having a rough week, you want some prayers, hey, come on down, we'll pray with you. If you're watching online, on that connection card, or, or here too, On that connection card, there's a place for your prayer request. If they're confidential, please mark them. We look at them. We pray about them. We think about them. It doesn't just disappear. It's important. If you're a baptized believer, you like First Christian Church, you'll be part of our family, hey, we're going to welcome you. Come on down. Let's stand as we get ready to sing.
0: da da da
1: Before you sit down, um, a brother and sister have come to our family and said, hey, can you give us some extra special prayers? And, and Doug is in Georgia right now with his mom, Reba, and they're um, looking for a miracle healing. So if, if you would pray with me, let's, let's pray together. And God, thank you for loving us. Uh, Lord, we know that you are the most capable doctor. And Lord, I ask you, if, if it's your will, will you provide a miraculous healing? Allow, allow us to see your might, your power, your glory. But God, if you're not, Will you help us lean on you in, in times of struggle? Will you allow us to see your hand even in the midst of pain and suffering? Father, thank you for loving us. Jesus, I pray. Amen. You know, it's, it's easy to uh, get to be habitual in our in our things that we do uh, the same things that we do almost every sunday it's and it's easy to look at it and do a check mark oh so are we got past the first chong check nope we got to say our our scripture in the morning check we go oh now now it's sermon time check oh now it's it's community time check and it's really easy if if we're not careful to just do things and, and we get in this routine and it's it's no longer important it's just simply one more thing we have to do before we step out so in a few seconds, we bow and pray. Don't, don't let this become a routine. Don't let this become just some check mark on your list that, that you need to do and we need to do before we get to leave here and have lunch. This is so important to, for us as Christians. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring about us. Uh, most importantly, thank you for what you did on that cross. Thank you for the opportunity of forgiveness and having our sins washed away. Thank you for showing us what true love is. Jesus, name, we pray, amen.
3: the inside of your bulletin. We have announcements for this week. Uh, This evening at 4 o'clock, Jerry's going to have a meeting for everyone who's interested in helping with the Harvest Party. It's a great opportunity to get involved with some of the youth of our community. We've been doing this for decades, and um, it's really neat because we get a lot of people from the community that come in, and it provides a great opportunity to to, uh, show the love of Christ to people. So if you'd like to help with that, Jerry's group, I think think they're going to meet in the Fellowship Hall at 4 o'clock today. So if you can be there for that, that's great. All Jerry's youth activities are happening today. Um, Rogers Group's meeting. We have our LOL group on Tuesday. All of our Bible studies on Wednesday. There's a security team meeting on Saturday. Also, um, Al Brandon's going to be starting a life group on Thursdays on October 5th. There's a note about that. The pancake breakfast is next Saturday um, at uh, from 7 to 10 a.m. So we encourage you to come here for that. It's, It's open to the community. The food pantry is looking for some items, and Operation Christmas Child is looking for some various items, and all those things are so eloquently written in your bulletin, so you can take that home. At this time, Paul, I believe, yes, mister simniok Simniak's got something to share about the security team.
1: Good morning. I uh, just want to take a quick minute. Uh, so the security team meeting on Saturday, it's going to be at 08. If you guys remember... Uh, earlier in the year we kinda put it on hold Uh, we didn't have enough people uh, so on and so forth so we're gonna give it to summer if you're interested uh, please come here at eight the plan is what we're gonna do is we're gonna sit there and talk a little bit about what we're trying to accomplish overarching goals some of the responsibilities uh, some of the vision Uh, let you make a decision if you want to actually participate and then depending on how many people we got if we got enough we'll kind of move into like a planning stage and kind of plan some steps to to get everything going so if you want to be a part of that, let me know after the service or show up on Saturday, and
3: we'll take care of you. All right. Thanks. Yeah. So catch catch up with Paul if you'd like to be a part of that. Uh, our medical teams going strong, and unfortunately, we've had to use it a few times. So, if you'd like to be a part of the security team, please see him for that. On the backs of the of the back of your bulletin, we have prayer concerns and prayers of celebration. We ask that you take those home. Uh, the spa ladies had a gathering and they had a great gathering we had a lot of fun at prime time and we do a lot of these activities so that we can kind of connect with one another and not just kind of go our own separate ways all the time Uh, we have people with health concerns um, people that are recovering please be with gene our bass player he's he's been um, going through cancer treatments and he'll be out for the next week or two so keep him in your prayers we have many other people we've been praying for we have troops who are deployed who have ties to first christian uh, we want to pray for our outreaches. We've been praying for Santa on the West End Stocking Project. It's a great opportunity to help some of our children in our community. And also we have the missions that we support that we're praying for each one of them this month. So at this time, let's stand together. Um, I will have a have a closing prayer. We ask that you take your bulletins home, be praying for everyone, and we'll have a clo- our closing prayer. And by the way, uh, some of us are going to go out to lunch, and then we're going to come back here and start working on our, our projection system. So. If you're a part of that, kind of get together with Andrew after service. He'll help give you some direction. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful that we can come together today and have this great time of worship. And Father, I pray that as we live life, we, we don't live it in fear, but with anticipation of your return, but also with a sense of urgency, knowing that we know people who don't know you and help us to take the message to them. And even more important, that show them the message by the way we live. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you.